1: In today's study, Chuck continues his teaching on the book of 2 Chronicles, chapters 17 through 23.
0: And the king of Israel said, Take ye, Micaiah, and carry him back to Ammon the governor of the city and to Joash the king's son. And say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I return in peace. Micaiah said, If thou certainly return in peace, then hath not the Lord spoken by me. And he said, Hearken, all ye people. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and will go to the battle, but put thou on thy robes. That's called making your partner a clay pigeon, okay? <laughs> so the king of Israel disguised himself and they went to the battle. You know, I have no idea, because I don't think Jehoshaphat's stupid, but he, you know, it, I don't quite understand why he would go, you know, manifesting himself as a king in a battle is something it isn't, you don't do casually. You do that with some consideration. Anyway, moving on, verse 30. Now the king of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariots that were with him, saying, Fight ye not with small or great, save only with the king of Israel. See, the king of Syria, that's their enemy, is telling his guys to, you know, uh, Fight uh, fight ye not with small or great, save only with the king of Israel. So they're not going after the south, they're going after the north. It came to pass, when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, It is the king of Israel. Therefore they compassed him about him to fight. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and and God moved them to depart from him. See, they, they, were, they assumed because he had the robes, he was the guy really in charge, so they were focusing on him, but God protected him. For it came to pass that when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back again from pursuing him. Now that was the plan of, of, of Ahab, but notice what happens here. And a certain man drew a bow at a venture. You get the impression this guy near the end of the battle had one arrow left and he just let it fly randomly. Get rid of it. Drew a bow adventure. And smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. Therefore he said to his chariot man, Turn thine hand that thou mayest carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, Howbeit the king of Israel stayed himself up in his chariot against the Syrians until even, and about the time the sun going down, he died. Which is exactly what Micaiah had predicted, by the way. Just as a Now this vision of Micaiah is a source of a lot of trouble to a lot of commentators. Because he relates a vision in which he saw God commission a demonic spirit to inspire the prophets of Ahab to lie to him. Well, did he really, or did he just use that as a way to put the needle into those guys? That's a point of debate. It's trouble to some because it would seem to suggest that God is an author of deceit. We know better than that. This is just another way to look at this. Another, It's just one of the examples of the sovereignty of God who does not initiate evil, but sometimes allows it to occur for his own purposes. This is the argument that there really was an evil spirit, that God allowed to go do this. Now that's that's one view. Um, I personally am not hung up on that, because as far as I'm concerned, for all, I can visualize Micaiah using this like a parable as a way of, <laughs> of uh, you know, we, we see that occur in a couple of places in the book of Judges and elsewhere where someone will, will uh, be very skillful in his rhetoric, in effect. Anyway, let's go to chapter nineteen, Second Chronicles. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said unto King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therewith is wrath upon thee from before the Lord." Nevertheless there are good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land, and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again through the, uh, through the people from Beersheba, that's way in the south, to Mount Ephraim, and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. So he's a good guy, doing well. And he set the judges in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city. And he said to the judges, Take heed what ye do, for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. Boy, how critical it is to have sound judges, and one of the great tragedies in America, as they, as they chronicle its decline and demise, it will be clearly uh, echoed from the time that the judges started to impose their social agenda rather than doing the job that they swore to do, and how they twist things to accomplish what they do. They overturn uh, jury trials, where the juries are supposed to determine the facts, not the law, and uh, how they, uh, uh, when the people express themselves by passing laws, they deign to refute those laws and impose their own. It's it's really astonishing how far the the, the justice system has been perverted. That's not our only problem, but it's certainly a very fundamental problem in our country. There are remedies, and that's called impeachment. It's been done in the past. David Barton has much to say about that, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Anyway, in any case, any case, "...take heed what ye do, for ye judge, not for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. Wherefore now, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, or taking of gifts. Moreover, in Jerusalem, did Jehoshaphat said, of the Levites and of the priests and of the chief of the fathers of Israel for the judgment of the Lord and for the controversies when they returned to Jerusalem. And he charged them, saying, Thus shall ye do in the fear of the Lord faithfully and with a perfect heart. And what cause soever shall come to you of your brethren that dwell in their cities, between blood and blood, between law and commandment, statutes and judgments, ye shall even warn them that they trespass not against the Lord, and so wrath come upon you and upon your brethren, this do, and ye shall not trespass. Great instruction here. And behold, Amariah the chief priest is over you in all matters of the Lord, and Zebediah the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, for all the king's matters. Also the Levites shall be officers before you. Deal courageously, and the Lord shall be with the good. So now we're to Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20 came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, now you remember where they came from, that's lots incest and all that sort of thing, uh, they, uh, they, they, they reflect the, nation, the ancient nations east of the Jordan that today we, can, we would regard as, as Jordan, trans-Jordan, then Jordan. Anyway, the, the, the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be with Hazaz on Tamar, and, which is in, in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. What an interesting response. What a spiritual response to as the king is to call for a national fast. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? There's another case of Abraham's title, of the friend of God. Interesting. And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, meaning the temple, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help." Hear that that That's just a summary or an echo of the prayer of Solomon at the dedication of the temple. That's literally extracted from that. And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou dost wouldest not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. When they, when, when in the Exodus, Edom would not let them pass through. And they were told, because they're, they're, they're not acting like brothers, but they are brothers, so don't, you don't, you, they wouldn't let them fight over it. They went around it. But, so, behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. Boy, that's, what an exemplary situation here. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Looks like a shooting script, doesn't it? Can you just picture that? Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of methaniah a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And He said, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow Go ye down against them, and behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. They rose up early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. That's not far from Bethlehem, it's the south there. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah! And ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe as prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, and he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise... The Lord sent ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come up against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, every one of them helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. In words, they fight among; they had fought among themselves. And when Je- Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with, dead, with the dead bodies and the precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And there were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. Couldn't carry it all. And on the fourth day, they assembled themselves in the valley of Berechah. Berechah, by the way, means the place to praise the Lord. How appropriate. For there they blessed the Lord, therefore the name of the same place was called the Valley of Berachah, unto this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord. The fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. And Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah. He was thirty and five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for twenty and five years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Azabah, the daughter of Sahili. And he walked in the way of Asa his father, and departed not from it, doing that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Howbeit the high places were not taken away, and for as yet people had not not prepared their hearts unto the God of their fathers. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, first and last, behold, they are written in the book of Jehu, the son of Hanani, who is mentioned in the book of the kings of Israel. And after this did Jehoshaphat king of Judah join himself with Ahaziah, the king of Israel, who did very wickedly. And he joined himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish. And they made the ships in Ezengeber. And Eliezer, the son of Dodavah of Marishah, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because thou hast joined thyself with Ahaziah, the Lord hath broken thy works, and the ships were broken, that they were not able to go to Tarshish. So he did a lot of things right, but he also got in some commercial ventures with someone he shouldn't have been, Ahaziah. There's a number of Ahaziahs. There's about seven or eight of them, so don't get confused. This this Ahaziah is the king up north, and he shouldn't have been doing that, and they lost. So he died after 25 years, being 60 years of age. He was buried in a magnificent manner because he had imitated the actions of David. And he had this testimony in, in Chronicles that he sought the Lord with all his heart. He may not have accomplished everything, made some mistakes, but he sought the Lord with all his heart. The kingdom of Judah was never more prosperous than under his reign. That's, that's quite a statement. The king was left to Jehoram, which was inaugurated at the beginning of his reign by causing the massacre. first thing Jehoram, his son, takes over when he dies, first thing he does is slaughters all his brothers. So this has been good news. We're going to see a little shift of gears here as we get into a couple of chapters more here. Now Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And Jehoram, his son, reigned in his stead. Okay. And he had brethren, the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah, Jael, Zechariah, and Azariah, and Michael, and Jehoshaphat. All these were sons of Jehoshaphat, the king of Israel. Their father gave them great gifts of silver and gold and precious things and fenced cities in Judah. But the kingdom he gave Jehoram because he was the firstborn. So he was, the others got treated very richly, but the firstborn got the tr- throne. Now when Joram was risen up to the kingdom of his father, he strengthened himself. He slew all his brethren with the sword and divers also of the princes of Israel. So he knocked off all possible rivals. Joram was thirty and two years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for eight years in Jerusalem. And I suspect those were very long years for Jerusalem. He walked in the way of the kings of Israel like as did the house of Ahab, for he had the daughter of Ahab to wife, and he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Howbeit the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he made with David, and as he promised to give light to him and to his sons forever." So in other words, this guy's bad news, but God can't wipe him out because of his commitment to David. So the southern kingdom has some dismal characters, and this is one of them. There's some really rougher ones coming, but in any case. In his days, the Edomites revolted from under the dominion of Judah and made themselves a king. And uh, see, uh, even since the time of David and Solomon, the, both Israel and Judah had uh, certain provinces, including Edom, that owed them, you know, that, that gave them tribute. And um, and uh, Moab finally resulted, re- revolted from the northern kingdom's uh, dominance uh, and... Uh, Uh, So this doesn't get into a lot of the politics. You want to get into that, you get into 1st, 2nd Kings, we'll deal with it. But anyway, the Edomites are revolting from under the dominion of Judah now, made themselves a king. And Jehoram went forth with his princes and all his chariots with him, and he rose up by night, smote the Edomites, which had compassed him in, and the captains of the chariots. So the Edomites revolted from under the hand of Judah unto this day. The same time also did Libna revolt from under his hand, because he had forsaken the Lord God of his fathers. So his resources are starting to fractionate here. Moreover, he made high places in the mountains of Judah." Bad news. He's he's installing idol worship here. "...and he caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit fornication, and compelled Judah thereto." There came a writing to him from Elijah the prophet. Now many people miss this, but this writing, first of all, this is the only occasion we know of that Elijah wrote a message. But what's really bizarre is he had already been translated and this message was written before he was translated. Everybody misses that. There's a timing issue here. There came a writing to him from Elijah the prophet, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of David thy father, because thou hast not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat thy father, nor in the ways of Asa the king of Judah, but hast walked in the way of the kings of Israel, and hast made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to go a-whoring, like to the whoredoms of the house of Ahab, And also hast slain thy brethren of thy father's house, which were better than thyself. Behold, with a great plague will the Lord smite thy people, and thy children, and thy wives, and all thy goods. This comes from Elijah. Interesting. Really nailing this guy. And thou shalt have great sickness by disease of thy bowels, until thy bowels shall fall out by reason of the sickness day by day. Moreover, the Lord stirred up against Joram the spirit of the Philistines and of the Arabians that were near the Ethiopians, and they came up unto Judah and break into it and carried away all the substance that was found in the king's house, and his sons also, and his wives. So there was never a son left him, save Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. And after all this, the Lord smote him in his bowels with an incurable disease." And it came to pass that in the process of time, at the end of two years, his bowels fell out by reason of his sickness, so that he died of sore diseases, and his people made no burning for him like the burning of his fathers." In other words, there's no celebration when he died. Boy. two years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years, and departed without being desired, albeit they buried him in the city of David, but not in the sepulchres of the kings. Now we get to a good dismal end to all of this. (laughs) And the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah, his youngest son, king in his stead. For the band of men that came up with the Arabians to the camp had slain all the eldest. So Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, the king of Judah, reigned. Forty and two years old was Ahaziah when he began to reign, and that's regarded by many as a copy story. He's probably more like, there's other reasons to believe he was 22. but not, His mother's name also was Athaliah, the daughter of Omri. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. You understand where his mother came from. Her mother was Jezebel, so she was trained in sinister behavior of all kinds. And uh, it's hard to get into this without really recounting the, you know, the, the strange ways of Jezebel, but, and what you do need to know if you're going to understand the book of Revelation and the, the letter to Thyatira and all of that. But in any case, here's, here's her, her uh, trainee, Athaliah. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. She really ran things. Wherefore, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for they were his counselors after the death of his father to his destruction. Pretty straightforward. He walked also after their counsel and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, the king of Israel, to war against Hazareel, the king of Assyria, at Ramoth-Gilead. And the Syrians smote Joram. And he returned to be healed in Jezreel because of the wounds which were given him at Ramah when he fought with Hazael, king of Syria. And Azariah, the son of Jehoram, the king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab, at Jezreel because he was sick. And the destruction of Ahaziah was of God by coming to Joram. For when he was come, he went out with Joram against Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed to cut off the house of Ahab. It came to pass that when Jehu was executing judgment upon the house of Ahab and found the princes of Judah and the sons of the brethren of Ahaziah that ministered unto Ziah, he slew them. Jehu didn't mess around. It's kind of interesting because Jehu's mission was against the north, and here's the guy from the south imitating the north, and he gets their desserts. The prophet of Elijah dealt primarily with the north, up there with Ahab and Jezebel and all of that. But it's almost like a detour of him dealing with Ahaziah, and uh, interesting. It's, uh, and he sought Ahaziah, and they caught him, for he was hid in Samaria, and they brought him to Jehu, and when, he had, when they had slain him, they buried him, because, said they, he is the son of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart. So the house of Ahaziah had no power to keep still the kingdom. So they've killed him. Who's going to be running things? Make a guess. His mother. Okay? But when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal of the house of Judah. Her son was dead. She slaughtered them all. That's the general statement. Now, we get used to this in the Bible. That's a statement that's not quite true. She slaughtered all the royal seed of the house, with the exception of the sentence that follows. If that was true, there would be no Messiah, there would be no salvation for our sins. All through the Bible, you, you need to be sensitive to how the God is guarding the Messianic line. That's the real story behind Tamar in Genesis 38. That's all these strange stories. The Spirit of God is... Pretty. This is what she tried to do. She tried to destroy all the seed royal of the house of Judah, and we can't stop there. I'm always reminded of, of a mighty fortress is our God. If you sing that, that hymn, make sure you don't stop at the first verse, which says uh, of Satan that no one has his equal. You don't stop there. you got to get the rest of the verse. Same. You don't stop here, you get the next verse, because there's an exception.
1: You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Second Chronicles. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on one 800 khouse one To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org.